Alrighty, what is going on? Welcome to the show. Pete Callender here. It's News Talk 1110-993 WBT. It's 11.05 a.m. I kid. It's 12.05. 704-570-1110-1800-WBT-1110. If you want to join the program, you can also email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. And remember, go to WBT.com and get the podcast. And it comes right to your smartphone or tablet every single day. There's a little button I don't know why it's designed like this, but there's a little button. It's in the right side, top right, and it looks like a like a microphone, I want to say. It's got like circles around it, and if you hover over it, it'll say follow, and you click that. Follow. And that's how you subscribe. It's by clicking follow. So, President Joe, I got, I forgot, about, uh, we have a spending bill, everybody. Huzzah! Yeah, we have an omnibus, the best kinds of buses, the best kinds of spending laws. Omnibus spending bill. Joe Biden signed it into law. Uh, So on the plus side, uh, we've got a spending uh, bill that's now a law, so we don't have to worry about the fiscal cliff and, you know, oh, my gosh, we have to raise our spending or we're going to go into default. So, like, we're not going to have that fight, too. So that's nice. So we've only got, you know, like World War III breaking out and COVID and the branch COVIDians trying to make that a thing again. And um, we're not going to have to deal with the not going to have to deal with the fiscal cliff. So that's good. Um, downside, not long-term. It's only going to run for a couple months, six months or so. Uh, but also on the plus side, earmarks are back, everybody. Aren't we happy about that? Oh, yeah. I mean, there was such a push to get earmarks back into the spending bills and from the public, right? I mean, it was just every campaign stop, like the politicians would be there wanting to talk about you know, really important matters, but the public was just bring back earmarks. And so they're like, okay, they brought them back. It's a one and a half trillion dollar spending bill. It has about $13.6 billion in emergency aid for Ukraine and its border. Uh, Same Congress couldn't get the money for our border, but they got the money for Ukraine's border. Uh, That includes $4 billion to help displaced refugees, $6.5 billion for military assistance. So we are directly funding the Ukrainian war effort. There is $782 billion for military spending, uh, our own, that's our military spending, and an additional $125 billion for the Department of Veterans Affairs. Going to fund all federal agencies for the remainder of the 2022 fiscal year. Now, included in the bill, because again, everybody was clamoring to know what earmarks are we getting? There are 4,000 earmarks. This is, um, it's actually less than half the total that was in the last spending bill that had earmarks before they got banned. That was back in 2011. So the ban is now lifted. The last appropriations bill that had them in 2010 had 9,000 earmarks. So really, I mean, we're not even getting the most amount of earmarks that we could be getting. But these 4,000 earmarks, they account for $9.7 billion of the $1.5 trillion bill. So it is pretty small when you compare it to the trillions that we don't have that we're spending. But $9.5 billion is still a lot of money. It's outlined in 367 pages, mostly benefits Democrats because they're the ones in power. Some Republicans, they 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 took some cash, too. They're bringing home some bacon for their folks. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, he wins a prize for grift. That's what the Wall Street Journal editorial board, that's how they put it. 
He got 142 earmarks, totaling $258 million for his state. Lead negotiators Senator Patrick Leahy, a Vermont Democrat and chairman of the Senate uh, Senate Appropriations Committee, and the panel's top Republicans, Senator Richard Shelby of Alabama, are bringing $800 million back to their states. Some of the bacon, this is according to the Washington Examiner's Review, Four hundred ninety-six grand for a YMCA swimming pool in Yonkers. It's equity because people don't have pool access. So there's, it is in, it's not equal. Uh, $160,000 to study the sustainability of astronaut food, which, how do we not have that figured out yet? Haven't we been going up to space for a while? How do we not, have they not been eating all this time? That can't be true. Just give us some tang. 110,000, I'm just kidding. I have no idea. This is Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. They're getting the money um, to study that. 160K. There's $110,000 for a food truck and refrigerated van to serve the Spanish American Center in Massachusetts. 110 grand for a food truck and refrigerated van. I'm not sure if the truck is the van as well. I'm not sure if there are two vehicles. Because two, I mean, two vehicles for 110k is that's not bad in today's car market. 1.6 million dollars for the development of equitable growth of shellfish aquaculture in Rhode Island. 1.6 million for the development of equitable growth. So now shellfish aquaculture. Now that's gone woke. That's got. We have to have equitable growth. So what, the shellfish aquaculture has been lagging behind in certain areas of Rhode Island? Is that du- And that's due to race, I guess? Why? Do the shellfish, do they see race? Are they racist? Are the shellfish racist in Rhode Island? I don't know. Sheldon Whitehouse is up there, and he's, he's like a member of two whites-only country clubs or something. So I got to believe maybe that, maybe that has made its way down to the shellfish. $2 million for an electric vehicle-based ferry in Alaska. Because that's what you want, is to be electric vehicle-based ferry. I don't even know what that means. Electric. So is it a ferry for only electric vehicles? Is it a charging station on a ferry? Electric vehicle-based ferry. Is it a ferry on an electric vehicle in Alaska? Because there are a lot of electric vehicles being used in Alaska, I assume. Because when I think of electric vehicles and where, like, you naturally would want a battery that runs out of juice, potentially leaving you to freeze to death, like, Alaska is that place, right? Alaska is the place where you would want that battery to run dead. Uh, $3 million also for a museum for Gandhi. In Houston. Houston needs a Gandhi museum for some reason. And it's going to cost taxpayers $3 million. So earmarks are back. It really is. uh, Like, I was a young, I mean, I was a baby in the 70s and 80s. I was very, very young. And uh, so I don't really remember all of the, the terrible stuff. I remember... My parents talking about how terrible it was, like as I got older in the late 80s, and I remember them talking about that, so I don't remember it myself. But all of these things, it's like we're, we're going back 
to the to the 70s and then the the early 80s. Oh, it's it's great. I'm I'm waiting for Biden to tell me to wear sweaters uh to stay warm rather than pay for the uh the heating bills. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Over at LegalInsurrection.com, piece by Leslie Eastman. American states, as well as many European countries, continue to scrap COVID restrictions after concluding that the coronavirus was now an endemic pathogen. However, China has bitterly clung to the sense its response has been superior and continues to embrace a COVID-zero approach. And that is doomed to failure. The nation's leaders have now ordered 51 million Chinese into lockdown over the latest COVID outbreaks. 51 million. That's, think about it. That's five times the size of North Carolina population. And that's just in one province, Jilin. 24 million people live in Jilin, southern cities of Zhenzhen and Dongguang. I think is how they pronounce that. I don't know. Oh, I took Spanish. I did not take Mandarin. So, yeah, I am so not going to do well with our uh, our communist overlords when they arrive. But 10 million people live in Dongguan. 10 million people. So that's like the ent- one city. And that's, so that's the entire state of North Carolina, basically. China is also imposing travel restrictions and mass testing after the latest flare-up driven by the highly transmissible Omicron uh, variant, which has resulted in a spike of asymptomatic cases. Hmm, interesting. However, in the wake of uh, this development, there has been the biggest plunge in Chinese stocks since 2008. Is it related? Well, they seem to think so. But also, there's some other stuff going on. Chinese stocks that are listed in Hong Kong had their worst day since the global financial crisis because of their relationship with Russia. Beijing's close relationship with Russia. Also, renewed regulatory risks sparked panic selling. The Hang Seng China Enterprises Index, that I know you follow, closed down 7.2% on Monday, the biggest drop since 2008. The tech index tumbled 11%. That's its worst decline ever. But it only launched in July of 2020. So... The route follows a report citing U.S. officials that Russia has asked China for military assistance for its war in Ukraine. Even as China denied that report, traders worry that Beijing's potential overture toward Vladimir Putin could bring a global backlash against Chinese firms, even sanctions. Smart companies, she says, Leslie Eastman at uh, Legal Insurrection says, smart companies have taken the past two years to remove China from the supply chain. What's the old uh, the old axiom? Uh, slowly at first and then very quickly. Just keep it in mind. 
I got to tell you, though, watching last night, the, the Mecklenburg County Commission meeting, don't worry, don't, I don't, I have no audio for you today from the County Commission. I'm not going to play any of the audio, but I watched it, and uh, I got, uh, man, because they got, you know, like $60 million in pandemic-related funding. And so the assistant county manager, I think, he got up there and ran through the list of uh, all of the outfits that are going to get all this money. And, I mean, the Democratic, they're all Democrats on the Board of County Commissioners, and I would suspect in the county government management level, but whatever, it doesn't matter. The point here is that, oh, my gosh, like the giddiness that these elected leaders had at all the money getting just shoveled out the door to all of these different groups. Oh, my gosh, like we're doing all of this so much good that we're doing. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. I'm virtue signaling so strong, like. Look at my halo. So I am, I'm just not a fan of it because I keep looking at this thinking, wow, okay, so we got $60 million and this isn't even half of it. We still have another, like, two rounds of this money to go through. This is helicopter money, people. And meanwhile, you're, you're seeing inflation like you've not seen, in, not in my lifetime. I wonder if they're related. Mecklenburg County approved nearly $60 million of pandemic funding from the federal government Tuesday, writes Will Wright at the Charlotte Observer, allowing the county to negotiate contracts with more than two dozen organizations, each of which will receive hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. The money is divided into five categories. Workforce and economic development for $6.7 million. Then you got affordable housing and homelessness for $8 million. Parks, environment, and infrastructure, 14.6 million. Parks, that's what we, parks. They locked us down, and, and the response is to fund parks. Because that makes sense. Is that like, oh, all right, sorry, guys. We totally shouldn't have locked you inside your houses, so fine, we'll, we'll, we'll sink a bunch of this money into parks, okay? We all good? Child care and early childhood development, 3 million. And behavioral health and health equity 26.9 million dollars that is by far the largest chunk of it but that was what the public said they wanted the money to go to mental health services during the pandemic which honestly like i kind of yeah i kind of have to agree with that yeah definitely fund some more mental health services because what i saw during the pandemic he So just as the polling indicates that COVID's over, well, I shouldn't say COVID's over, the pandemic, people are, people are done living life under the restrictions and such. It, it, it's, it's done. So uh, we're done. People are done. That's what the polling shows. And just in time, we've got all of the pandemic-related money that Democrats need to spend before the midterms to let everybody know that they helped us through the pandemic. Perfect timing. Um, so there's like $60 million that they uh, uh, rolled out last night at the county commission meeting. The deputy county manager, they don't call them assistant city manager or county manager. Anyway, deputy county manager, Michael A. Bryant, 
spoke to the commissioners. He said the county would continue to evaluate the ability of each organization to meet the goals that the funding is supposed to achieve. The county will also evaluate clawback provisions. Yeah. No, that's just, you know, you can take the money back if they're not doing the right stuff with it. Um, There's also reporting requirements for organizations that get the money. Um, By the way, I'm going to, I'm going to make a prediction. Once these organizations get these infusions of cash, I'm thinking they're going to get hooked and they're going to come back to the county in the following years asking for larger uh, outlays from the county as part of their nonprofit. There is a whole cottage industry of nonprofits that exist solely because of county funding. And I have little doubt that that list is going to get longer now because of this. Should I read through all of the, no, I'm not going to, you can get it online though. They have the whole uh, list and all of the, um, all of the, the figures and such, but yeah, affordable housing, behavioral health and health equity, child care and early childhood development, parks, environment and infrastructure and workforce and economic development. And it just, I understand it's a different way of thinking that the elected leaders have down at the dais where they're sitting around like they got the money, they want to get the money out. This is why I call it helicopter money. It's just shoving it out the door, right? Just drop money on everyone's heads, just fly around, throw all the money out the door. Um, and they view their role in, particularly in government, and not incorrectly, by the way, is to allocate those funds. That's Their job, put me in charge of allocating the funds. I know how to do this best. That's right. I mean, that's the whole point of the vision that they are running on and uh, their platforms. You know, give me all your money or some of it. Give me some of your money and then I will spend it in the best ways because I will be advised by the best people. And I'm really smart to do this sort of work. That's the pitch. And so for them, this was... I mean, Vilma Leak last night said she wants the county manager to plan a, an ice cream party for them. I'm not kidding. She literally wants there to be an ice cream party to celebrate the $60 million that we just borrowed, I think, from China. Uh, and we'll have the all of the grandbabies, as she likes to call them, all of the babies and the grandbabies. They're going to be the ones to repay all of that. At some point in the out years, if we don't all get taken over by the commies at some point because they own all of our debt. I don't know. Just it doesn't seem like a very good long term plan. But ice cream social. I mean, that's kind of hard to say no to that. Right. So, yeah, she then also was talking about all of the the spirits of the ancestors that were dancing and how she could see them. And then she said, and I quote, I'm not crazy. I know what I'm saying. So, okay. So there was that. But they were, just to me, though, limited government guy, fiscal restraint, fiscal discipline. Like, I look at that, and it it just is unseemly that everyone is like, oh, my gosh, we're going to get all this government money. Look at us. We're getting all this taxpayer money that actually taxpayers aren't paying because we don't have any way to pay it. It's just debt. You're just taking on debt. You're just getting debt. Yay, you. You're getting grandchildren's debt. It's awesome. Good work. No, just keep going. Just keep going. Yeah, more and more. Get more and more debt onto the books. And uh, I'm sure there will be no negative 
impacts whatsoever to the runaway spending and debt that we are accumulating. Not even in the long term, not even in the short term. Oh, by the way, you see the federal interest rate or the Federal Reserve and the interest rate hike. Yeah, that's completely unrelated. Joe Biden told me. Joe Biden said that he's sick of it. It's not true that the runaway spending is driving inflation. And Joe Biden, with all of his background in business and finance, I mean, of all presidents, Joe Biden would know. He would know. Meanwhile, we're still under Roy Cooper's ED, the executive declaration, or the emergency declaration. Now what are we on? 736 days, I think. 736 days, Roy Cooper has kept North Carolina in a state of emergency. Meanwhile, all of the guidelines, all of the restrictions, a lot of that stuff, they've all fallen away. The um, North Carolina Senate President Pro Tempore, Phil Berger, sent out a press release marking the occasion. Emergency declarations, he says, have historically been used for short durations to address immediate needs like severe weather. The Emergency Management Act, I've covered this in depth many times over the last two years, it authorizes a single person to take swift action to change policies when the General Assembly, it's 170 members, cannot convene quickly. That was the idea behind the Emergency Management Act. Oh my gosh, a tornado hit, a hurricane hit, you got to activate the emergency declaration and the uh, the House and the Senate can't get back into session quickly enough, so the executive is empowered to act. After 24 months, there is no longer an immediate need to respond to the pandemic. North Carolina's COVID-19 metrics, including new case counts, have dwindled to levels we haven't seen in months. The percentage of positive cases is now 3.9%. Hospitalizations is down about uh, uh, 1,093. That's like a third of where it was a month ago. The seven-day average of new cases has gone under 2,000 compared to 10,000 a month ago. When the pandemic began, public health officials and elected leaders said that they were to be guided by the science and data. The science and data. And you all you had to do was invoke the mantra. The incantation alone meant that you were to be believed. But now Governor Cooper is ignoring said science. I also have some interesting data from John Sanders at the John Locke Foundation. You'll never guess who's making up the majority of new cases. Stick around for that. News Talk 1110 WBT. WBT. No, no, like WBT. 704-570-1110-1800-WBT-1110. All right, I just, as an aside, I'm going to get back to the Ray Cooper stuff here in a second, but... Just as an aside, I am having the most amount of fun during the breaks trolling a couple of leftists who are trying to dismiss the fact that Putin funded green groups in America in order to pressure lawmakers against fracking and or the lawmakers who were pro-fracking, right, in order to apply pressure to get fracking undone. It's through uh, through an organization called Sea Change, and the money came from Putin, came from Russia, funneled through a shell company in Bermuda, went to Sea Change. Sea Change then distributed these funds, and 
some of the funds went to the League of Conservation Voters. And you know who sued North Carolina over redistricting? Because their argument was that we couldn't get our candidates into office that would pass the stuff that we want them to pass because those candidates are all Democrats. And so they sued over redistricting over the maps, the North Carolina League of Conservation Voters. And so I just posted up onto Twitter today, hey, this uh, is this you? You guys got any comment on this? Getting that Putin cash? What's up? That's how it works, right? The, these are the rules. Oh, my gosh. The, there are leftists who are, they're just, they're melting down. They don't understand. They don't understand the connection. They don't understand the rule, the standards that they set. That if you, right, if you just merely suggest something, if you say, hey, you know, maybe Vladimir Putin isn't an idiot. Oh, my gosh, you love Putin. Like, no, I'm just saying something that's a little bit more nuanced than that. Like, you could be an evil genius. It's a genius who's evil. It doesn't mean I like him or I'm applauding him or want him to win or anything. It's Yeah, so they're... They are really. It is pretty amazing how humorless the left has become, recent uh, in recent years. Anyway, back to Governor Cooper because you know they had the, uh, they did the vote to get you know, to get out of the state of emergency and uh, to lift the mask mandates and stuff. And Cooper just keeps vetoing it. And, and the his office says that the reason that the state of emergency has not ended yet is because he wants to work with the legislature to pass laws that serve the same purpose. That's what he said. That's what he stated. His office put out a statement saying that. But the General Assembly was in session since January 2021, and Cooper has never attempted to work with them on any of this. He's never even offered up any specific measure. He's never said, hey, this is how the Emergency Management Act should be fixed going forward. Wouldn't do it. The state of emergency needs to end. It needs to end. Here's another piece of uh, science and data. John Sanders going through the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services, uh, Services dashboard, the COVID dashboard, the data dashboard. And thank God he does it because I, I, I could not follow it. I tried. But they kept changing all of the different inputs and dates and stuff. And the people who are, are you know, like that side of the brain centered, good for you. I appreciate all of the work that you've done because I could not. I could not follow all of the changes and the metrics and how they were, you know, things that got lumped in. And anyway, so John Sanders has, I think, for the last two years, been doing fantastic work in monitoring the numbers and then distilling them down into a format I can understand. So what did he, he looks at these uh, data sets. Over the month of February, 56% of new COVID-19 cases were fully vaccinated people. 46% of the COVID-related deaths, fully vaccinated people. 56% of new COVID cases and 46% of COVID-related deaths. Fully vaccinated. By far the lowest portion of cases came to uh, unvaccinated people with natural immunity due to prior infection. Again, by far the lowest proportion of cases was among unvaxxed people 
who had already had it. Nevertheless, Governor Cooper continues to order cabinet employees to be vaccinated or tested weekly without accounting for natural immunity. How is that following the science? How is that possible? Furthermore, he says fully vaccinated individuals accounted for nearly half of COVID deaths. That is deaths attributed either from COVID or with COVID. So they call them COVID related. So that captures both of those numbers because we have some difficulty in determining this still for some reason. He goes on to point out uh, DHHS to find somebody as unvaccinated if that person has received only one of the two injections. So you could, or if you are within two weeks of having the second shot. So if you go out and get one shot and then get COVID, they count you as unvaxxed. Or if you go out and get the second shot and it's not two weeks later and you get COVID, then they count you as unvaxxed as well. So there is some unknown unknown proportion of cases that has occurred to people considered unvaxxed or not fully vaxxed who are in what he calls a definitional limbo, right? Somewhere between the first shot and 13 days after getting the second one. So I don't know how many people that is. But when you look at the total numbers by the numbers DHHS is providing, this is what you see is post-vaccine infections, 56%, reinfections, 7%, Cases to unvaxxed is 37%. So people who got vaccinated are getting COVID to a, a much, in a much larger uh, proportion. What does that mean? It means I think it's endemic and I think we're no longer in Roy Cooper's ED, emergency declaration. It needs to end. 